Welcome to the Giving Gifts Podcast, a podcast for real people to share real stories as they navigate using their gifts in this world. When I think about where the Giving Gifts Podcast started and where it is right now, it honestly blows my mind. I truly could not have imagined the conversations that would have followed what originally started just sitting on the ground and turning on a microphone. Since starting this podcast, I think it has made me even more aware of the power of conversations and the ability we have to express our ideas and learn from listening to others. If you have been following the podcast, the name Julia and the voice behind the name may sound familiar. Julia has hosted a couple of episodes where she helps me kind of process and talk through some things. And in this episode, we actually wanted to create space for Julia to share. And what started out as a podcast for Julia to share her story really transpired into a conversation on just life. And I had this realization that sometimes sharing our stories may seem intimidating because our story is always in motion. And it hit me as I was editing this episode and really honestly listening to the things that Julia was sharing that we don't need to wait until we arrive at some point in our lives to be qualified or able to share. What you're going through right now, wherever you're at in your life, it's significant and it's worth sharing because you never know who might relate and connect. With that said, I also just want to share a little behind the scenes on this episode. I have been thinking a lot about the concept of family and Something happens to me when people ask me about my family. A flood of people and faces from all over the place rush to the surface, and I'm not always sure where to begin. My family tree feels complicated. (laughs) Honestly, my family tree feels more like a family forest, and I'm just some like silly monkey jumping from tree to tree, invading everyone else's family tree. Julia has been a person who has always created space on her tree for me to be known and to know her. And this past weekend, as we got to record this episode in the morning, and later we got to go to a Langhorn Slim concert, which Langhorn Slim is one of my favorite musicians, and he was introduced to me by Doalind. Doalind is another person who I consider family in so many ways. And he introduced me not only to my favorite musician, but to some of my very favorite people on this earth. One being Westland, who really is such a brother to me. Wes actually created all the music for this podcast. And he is actually getting married this week. Maybe that's where this extra dose of sensitivity is coming from. But I could not help but think about all the connections involved in this episode. The connections that are known and seen and the ones that are still forming. So if you're listening to this, thank you. I hope that this episode meets you where you're at and reminds you that you are part of something so much bigger than any of us can even imagine. Are you ready for uh, fast preguntas? No. Okay. Um, if you were a tree, what tree would you be? Hmm. 
right now I would be a Peruvian pink peppercorn because that's the tree that I hang out with every day. Hmm. If you could only have one dinner for the rest of your life, what would that be? Sushi. Is there a specific roll? No. Just fresh fish with rice and seaweed. Ooh. If you were... If you had to describe yourself as an earth element, what element would you choose? Wait, is that earth an element? Earth is an element. Um, I would say... (laughs) It's hard. I would say water, but I also feel like I relate to air, but... um, Because... Yeah, I would say water. Water? Yep. Why? Well, I, for one, have quite a lot of water in my chart, so, like, I, I, I naturally am born under a water sign. I have pretty much all water in my chart, but I just feel like I am very much in the flow and in touch with my emotions, and uh, that's what the, the water represents. Okay, Julia, now let's... Let's talk about your life. (laughs) Mm, Oh my god, well, there's just, like, so many aspects of life. There's, like, the family life and the way that I grew up with, like, my family. And then there's, like, only going back to, like, high school, college, like, work, my work and career progression. Starting from, like, you know, having a job at 15 and always being very independent and always wanting to, like, support myself. I think that's been probably the biggest common thread through my entire life from childhood is, like, independence. And as a child, it was difficult. I think I had to grow up way too fast. And, but it turned me into, like, a, I can do anything. I really do believe that I can do anything I want to do on my own without any help. Almost to the point where at some point there was that was to my detriment because I didn't like ask for help or believe that anyone could do it the way that I could. And now I'm definitely have a different mindset than that. That we actually need to be collaborating and working together. But um, it was the first time you realized that you were independent. Hmm. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, and I don't even know if this is independence, but I think it is in the sense of, like, the idea of if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it. I remember I was in maybe second grade, and my sister was getting bullied, and I felt like I was her parent. I had to be her parent might trigger some people (laughs) um and I went and made an appointment with her teacher to have a like conference with her teacher (laughs) when I was in second grade (laughs) to tell her that my sister was getting bullied and someone needed to do something about it yeah just always felt like really responsible for my siblings and um I think that's kind of where it started, I don't even know if that's independence. It's independence in the sense of, like, as a child, I sh- shouldn't have needed to be the pa- the 
parent, you know, so independence from my parents. Um, that's the first memory that comes to mind. Not good on the spot. <laughs> yes, you are, though. I think, I think when I think about independence, too, I think it's a really hard thing because I grew, I grew up in a way that, like, I felt very isolated and had to do a lot as well, like alone or navigate a lot alone mm. and became very like, oh, I can fix this or I can make this or I can do this or I can f- whatever mm. by myself. And then at the same time, being a person who like wants community and like want wanted people, mm. it's hard to integrate that. Like, I and think I think that I isolated myself for most of my life and I didn't understand why like I always had friends and but I always felt like I didn't belong and I always had like many friends in different friend groups like I was never like a part of a group ever even like the closest I ever came to feeling like I was a part of a group was when I was in show choir in high school and I guess kind of in church growing up but even then I always felt like I didn't fit in and I still feel like I don't fit in, but I'm slowly now as I'm being myself, I'm actually connecting with people that are also being themselves. And I think that really what it was for so many years was I was just trying to be what I thought I needed to be. And it wasn't me. And I didn't know who I was at all. I was just so like, I was like blinded from myself because I was just like, you know, we're raised in this society where there's just, like, images and messages everywhere of what you're supposed to be, and then add on top of that, like, everyone's own trauma and circumstance and just needing to grow up too quick and things like that, and so I I've spent, I would say up until, like, five years ago, just, like, not being myself and so of course I wasn't connecting even though I was like successful and like meeting people and in spaces where there was people but and desperately wanting more community but of course not knowing how to get there or unable to get there because the really only way to get there is by actually being yourself or how can you really make authentic connections with Mm -hmm. other people if you know so I'm grateful now to feel like that's happening in my life but um yeah what were those areas if you were able to like go back and identify the different areas that you quote-unquote like were a part of but didn't feel like you fit into I mean I felt like that all through school when I moved I moved to California from Hawaii in second grade and immediately it was felt like an outsider, like all these kids had grown up since preschool, kindergarten together, were in like Girl Scout troop and played sports. And I was like, literally like a foreigner that came in. That's how I felt. And um, I feel like it just started from there. Mm-hmm. I mean, even actually before that, I guess when I moved to Hawaii, I was a foreigner from the United States that moved to Hawaii and they were, the people were definitely a lot more accepting there. And so I felt more welcome, did not feel that when I moved to California. Um, And then I feel like my life just followed that thread for years. And then 
definitely when I was in college, I really struggled. That was probably like the lowest point in my life, um, mental health wise. And I just, it did not feel like I fit in. And then I like saw a glimpse of how I could fit in by like getting involved in my sorority. And then I went balls to the wall in that and got like so overly involved to the point where I was still just like not being myself. I wasn't actually like thinking for myself and feeling like what felt good for me. I was just playing this role and I thought I was like an organized type A, like get things done, be a leader person. And so I did that to the point that I kind of alienated myself from the group and probably most of the people didn't love me very much because I (laughs) became like the vice president of the sorority and was the, my job was like the PR vice president. So it was like to make sure that we had a good uh, impression on campus. And so I was like, underneath me was like the, the person who did all like the disciplinary action when girls were, you know, being crazy at a party and embarrassing us, stuff like that. And I took it so seriously. Like, I was, like, kicking girls out of parties and just such a freaking fun killer. But I just was, like, so locked into, like, I believed that this is what, like, I was supposed to be doing. It was, like, my identity. And then I had, like, a freaking wake-up call um, during college on many levels and at during that time realized what the heck am I doing and um and then I ended up like going the complete opposite direction and dropping out of the sorority still never felt like I never felt like I belonged I had great roommates eventually that I became really close with and I love them dearly still but I still feel like I'm a different breed and I think they would agree that too like I'm just kind of <laughs> off on my own thing and I very much am off on my own thing now but now I've I have other people around me who are you know of this from the same planet I would say is there a part of you that didn't want to ever fit in like there it's a hundred percent a hundred percent I feel like I've always like it's been, like, this catch-22 of, like, I love that I'm, like, unique and different, and it's really challenging, and it's still, I still feel that, but now I feel like I can celebrate my uniqueness and celebrate other people's uniqueness. Everyone is equally as unique and different. I think we obviously do a lot of conforming, but... I think now, as I'm more just self-aware, I can see the uniqueness in everyone and celebrate that now. And it that allows for more connection as well, you know. But yeah, I definitely... It's like, what came first? Mm-hmm. Did I want to be alone and like a lone warrior <laughs> out there? I think it's both. Which is interesting because, yeah, how do we, how do we create spaces for people to be celebrated for the things that make them different? Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I met in a church community, mm-hmm. and both of us had really different stories leading up to why we were involved in a church community, and we were young. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and in a lot of ways, like I would, I would say that that community was both really beautiful and also like really damaging. Yeah. Um, and that's an example to me of a space that supposedly individuals are celebrated to like show up in whatever capacity you can, but also there is like a very strong undertone of you need to conform to this and be this. Yeah. I would say that it's a, it was a supportive community in terms of like, we are here for you, but it definitely was not supporting individuality. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think there is very much like a little box that, made everyone feel comfortable for us to fit into and I don't think either one of us ever did (laughs) and we caused our own (laughs) ruckus (laughs) Uh, but that's another uh, thing or uh, example of independence for sure like you and I were going on mission trips at like 13 years old by ourselves to the other side of the world Um, that was, yeah, I mean, I've always definitely feel like I've gone to the beat of my own drum, but I think in community spaces, like, really what the way that we can celebrate differences is just by bringing more self-awareness to ourselves. and I feel like this is such a catch-22 and something that I've been reading and studying a lot about more lately is, like, the idea of like selfishness versus selflessness and how in especially in the church but in most in western culture it's so celebrated to be selfless and to put everyone else before you but this concept of like how can you truly love one another if you don't even know what that feels like to be received from yourself like if you don't know the feeling of receiving your own love you can't truly give it outwards. It's like we make attempts at it all day long, but um, I think really like if everyone turned inward and everyone started to focus on like getting to know themselves and what makes them unique and what makes them different and what makes them um, them, then there wouldn't be as much like comparison and trying to be like the other person because oh they're doing that thing so it must be the thing versus like just building a relationship with yourself and um confidence in yourself and then it that's what I feel like allows you to then celebrate other people and not feel threatened by other people yeah would you say there's a time in your life where you began to really be intentional with self-awareness yes I would say 20, oh, I would say 2018 or so, my life like pretty drastically changed and I moved from San Francisco (laughs) to uh, Los Angeles and I just got out of a pretty like toxic relationship where... I had, like, no sense of self at all, and, um, and then I moved to LA and was, like, pretty devastated and depressed and lonely and alone and started 
I feel like for the first time to kind of, because I went through like multiple cycles with this partner where like I had multiple chances to get out of the situation and kept going back. And finally, by the time I was actually in LA, it was like, okay, something has to change here in my life. I have to start like looking at, I saw the pattern, but I, I had no like tools really then, but I saw like, I'm repeating this thing and it's the definition of insanity. You know, we're repeating the same thing over and over expecting a different result. So it was definitely around that time when I started to just like be more introspective and think about my life and what I really wanted and who I wanted to be. And it was slow at first. I was, like I said, pretty depressed and lonely and went through kind of like a, just a dark time for the first like year or so in LA. And then actually got involved in a church in LA and continued to kind of be like lost in the everyone conforming whole thing and then um it was when I would say when I met my previous partner Ricky where I he was doing so much of the work already and like really self-aware um and it, it was like he just had a key for me and I met him and I just like, I joke that I got on a rocket launcher when I met him and <laughs> of like self-exploration and it was just like finally I felt I had someone that was holding space for me because I had been the one holding space for everyone else my whole life and finally I had someone that was like supporting me on my journey and seemingly didn't need anything from me um I think (laughs) we we learned lots of lessons there along the way too but um yeah I started to just like ask myself the questions that I was always really afraid to ask especially growing up at the church like why are we here on this planet that's spinning through space Hmm. Like, what does that even mean? And where did we come from? And where are we going? And is there other life out there? And all these questions that, like, I just had total blinders on for years because, of course, that was the way I was brought up. And it was, like, blasphemy to question any of it. And... Yeah, I just started to think for myself. And then also along the way, at some point, I was introduced to psilocybin mushrooms. And the first time I did mushrooms was like really, really, really life-changing experience where um, I realized how much fear I had. And just that like every moment of my day was I I felt like I saw that I was, like, ruled by fear, whether it was my fear or someone else's fear of, like, how I was supposed to be, how, like, fear of other people around me, fear of making a wrong choice, fear of what's going to happen. It was just, like, so much fear. It was, like, riddled in my bones. And that was just extremely eye-opening. And, yeah, it's... I feel like since 2018, it's just been like a kind of a snowball. One thing leads to another, leads to another, and I've always been very 
curious person and willing to like try new things and explore. So just like once I got on the train of deciding to ask questions and think for myself, it just hasn't stopped <laughs> since <laughs> then. So that's the long answer to that. Yeah. What has been, um, I think with anything that we take up that's new, this is something like I'm constantly learning, especially right now for me, for me, this like shows up in, um, doing like years of recognizing specific trauma patterns Mm -hmm. is that if I'm going to move forward, um, believing that I'm not dictated by certain experiences or people or whatever, I'm also giving up something that was serving me. Like, yeah, and that although what I'm giving up for what I'm taking is so much greater mm-hmm. and aligns better with the, the person I want to be and how I want to love people and how I want to think and show up and, and mm-hmm. be alive, mm-hmm. I think it still is worth acknowledging that it costs something. Totally. So I guess, like, what do you feel like? prioritizing self-awareness cost you comfort (laughs) I mean I've had to get so comfortable with being uncomfortable and um, I think like the reason that we are all generally not very self-aware is because we're it keeps us in this like comfortable bubble of like blissful ignorance and when you decide to start asking these questions it's it makes it triggers not only your own things but the people around you are triggered by the you know breaking pushing the boundary of what is comfortable to, to, to speak about to like ways of existing in the world what your life looks like um but I feel like I don't really dwell on that or or I don't feel like I've really like struggled with the cost of it I would say the biggest thing that I struggled with towards the beginning and still comes up every once in a while is my family's uh receptivity to my kind of evolution just um their expectation of me and how I'm supposed to be and oh Julia has been this way for x amount of years like this is how this is who she is this is how she is and um that's been hard for me to navigate like confidently showing up as my more evolved version of myself and letting go of not only letting go of my attachment to old ways of being, but also letting go of my attachment to other people's attachment to my old ways of being. And that's something that I still, I feel like I'm navigating and probably always will be because we're, I'm always going to be becoming new. Like, it's never going to end. It's not like, oh, now I'm self-aware and now I, um, I've let go of an old version of me. It's like, I feel truly like I'm new every day. I'm learning every day. I'm letting go of old parts every day. But also, I remember I wrote something on an Instagram post a while ago about this, about, like, 
um, there, I said something to the effect of, I'm ready to let go of a version of me that I had been operating in for a while, but that was actually like an evolved version of me. And it was just, okay, like I'm ready to, it, it's that version is no longer serving me anymore too, but it was necessary. It, it was a version that like got me to a certain place that I needed to, I think specifically I was talking about there, there was a point in my life where I was like very, very overly emotional because I just, I had no tools for how to manage my emotions. And so when I started doing a lot of this work, I I went into a period of time where I had to kind of tell myself like, no, it's not important to go down that train of thought right now. It's not, you don't need to like go down the rabbit hole of every single thought you have. And then I got to a point where I realized I actually do need to like pay attention to the thoughts and like allow myself to go down the Mm -hmm. rabbit hole and feel what's coming up and acknowledge it because I had tools to support me in doing that. And I realized, okay, this part served me for a while, but now it's like time to lay that part to rest. And so, um, yeah. I love that. I'm going to pull up a text you sent me. (laughs) Okay. It's fun. Um, I just had a conversation tonight about stillness And that it's in a place of total stillness that you can see all the possibilities. But when you're running in a certain direction, you can only see what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. That was just a casual text you sent on like a Wednesday evening. I'm just curious if you can like expand on that because there is multiple themes that I think are really important right now for, for both us as individuals, but then also for us as like a collective in the world right now. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, the aspect, though, of stillness is this is something that I've been faced with just because of where I'm at in my life right now. And um, I feel like I've I've always been a very driven person and had I rest a lot and have like a pretty like flowy life, but still like I'm always working towards something. I'm always uh, have like goals that I'm working towards or see visions that I have of my future and I'm working to get there. And um, I had a night, I think it must have been that night or the night before where I was with a girlfriend and we were at the beach and I just had this moment of like, I don't know, a perspective shift where I felt that I felt so calm and at peace and still and suddenly it was like in my field of vision I could see like infinite possibilities of what's possible and it it just hit me what I shared with you like we're just we're always just so on a track and how could we possibly see all the possibilities when we're like on a train track? You know, it's amazing. We can shoot for the moon on a train track still, but there's actually like infinite possibilities of where we could go. And um, I think in my life too, there's been so much beauty that has unfolded in the last year, especially because of my like attack non-attachment and non like 
linear way of going about life and just allowing like possibilities to arise and flexibility with what where life is taking me and I think the, the more stillness that I bring in the more possibility and like crazy things come into my life and I think it's such a like we're just so conditioned that the opposite is the case like you get what you want and like your dreams come true by like working for them and putting in a lot of effort and time and working like the idea of like we're always freaking working versus I find in my life the more time I take in stillness true stillness not just like talking about stillness but like in meditation or sitting laying outside on my rug out there and just floating up at the stars or at the sky the clouds which I do a lot of <laughs> um more than most people would probably think is normal or healthy but it is um it seems like I can just see so much so many more possibilities and I don't have to think of them they just come Hmm. because they exist in time and space but we're we never slow down enough to just allow them to like upload into our awareness versus like feeling like we're like have this energy of grasping and searching for the next thing instead of just being in like a surrendered open state to receive so that's kind of what I was saying in that message and that yeah what's your <laughs> i can see the look you're gonna give me when i'm done with this question that's what i'm laughing at <laughs> what is your favorite and least favorite aspect of being alive right now oh my god i freaking love life <laughs> literally <laughs> my favorite aspect of being alive is just like the, the sheer, like, I don't know, this is sounds redundant, but, like, aliveness that I feel. Like, I feel so alive. I feel like I, I'm at a place in life where I am so aware of my feelings, of my experiences, that just my life is rich with aliveness and sensation and just like the sheer fact of being alive is my favorite part of being alive and I, ne I never even knew that was a thing mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm just like I seriously cry like multiple times a day of just like I cannot believe that I get to have a physical body to experience in like Julia the energy that animates this body exists in infinitely in time and space, but right now I get to play out an experience with the body, and it's just like, I can't believe that it's real. Like, mm -hmm. I can't believe I have a body and I get to, like, eat fruit, like a magical thing that just grows from the ground, and it's in abundance and it's never going away and um yeah so I would say life is my favorite thing about life and my least favorite thing about life 
I would say social media. <laughs> it sounds so like stupid, but it I it is just like I think one of the most divisive, isolating aspects of living in this time on this planet. And I think we all struggle with it. And I think it has way bigger and deeper implications than it's like, we all know, but do we really, because we're still using it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been, it's been like an ongoing, it is an ongoing reevaluation all the time for me, my relationship to it. But yeah, I would say it's my least favorite thing. Um, why and just because of the separation that it creates mm-hmm. like the comparison and the like lack of truth and a lack of sense of like it just feels like a giant facade that people can hide behind and that people can project what they want other people to see and even in this world like i feel like there is a rise of people being quote-unquote more authentic online and like talking having honest conversations but like even in that it's like wanting other people to see it and wanting like to have a following so that other people it just feels like not authentic to me and I've struggled a lot with it and I'm constantly like evaluating and reevaluating my own the way that I show up online and if I even want to be online and I come on and offline and um but yeah I just feel like it creates separation that's what it boils down to and um I think that yes we have way bigger problems in the world but I think all of our problems stem from separation and you know divisiveness and I think that social media and the media in general is a huge, huge, huge aspect of our culture that separates people. And I think if it didn't exist, everyone's life would be infinitely better. Hmm. Everyone. Yeah. I think about that a lot of the time and the things you're explaining are like the comparison thing or the posting something. And then all of a sudden there's like this instinct in you to want people to engage or like respond. And I think that is a basic like human desire. Right. Right. But I feel like the way that it happens online is not, it doesn't actually create space for like true, the true essence of being seen to occur. Right. You know, well, and you, I, I, my experience with this and it's, it's, it is attention because like, I have my own account, which I just, I have made a decision when I made social media of like anything I post, I want there to have something like I want it to have a benefit to whoever else I'm sharing. Like if it's just benefiting me, I don't want to share it. But if I can like know that I'm benefiting the person who's reading this or just like make somebody smile or do something, Mm -hmm. then that's worth it. But then also if my outcome is to make somebody experience something, I'm never going to get what I want. Like, I can't make it, I can't make you have a certain experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that social media gets very conflicting because we're really focused on people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And so, especially, like, now I have a million, like, not a million (laughs) accounts, but I feel like between Creative Tides and Giving Gifts and Celebrate and, like, my own stuff, Mm -hmm. 
it's a lot to, it's a lot of people management that isn't really my job. It's not my job to manage your experience. Man, this is like such a big thing that I've been thinking about lately and came up in the retreat that I was at last weekend. Uh, I had this whole experience of like feeling, experiencing like in my body for the first time ever that everything that I want from other people, whether it's like love or to be seen or to feel like they get me, I will never get because it's the same concept like what I want they could never know what exactly it is that I want I'm the only one that really really knows what I want and therefore I'm the only one that can give it to myself of course I can experience aspects of those things from other people and it is a very important part of life to have that but what I realized is that I actually have to practice giving that like the depth that I'm craving from other people to myself Mm -hmm. and I think like this is self-love obviously this is what they talk about when they say self-love I think it's like beyond like you know taking time for yourself or giving yourself a bath which are also important things but truly like accepting that you are the only one that knows the flavor and the essence of exactly what you want and you actually can give it to yourself it takes like serious practice though and serious like commitment and time and so for me again that's like more more of a reason to spend time in meditation and spend time in stillness alone because that's the only space that i can like turn flip my awareness completely inside out and give myself what it is that I'm wanting and honestly I have not figured out what that looks like for me because this is such a new like really I feel like I just grasped this on like a visceral level last weekend um you know we can like understand concepts in our mind but then for me at least I have these moments where like I experience something on a whole other level and I'm like oh I get that concept now and that's how I feel about self-love and um yeah so come back to me in a while after I've been practicing it and I'll let you know um but I can't remember how what how this connected to what you were just saying about I was gonna tie it make it full circle well I was saying that we can't like I can't be in control of managing other people's experiences and you're saying yeah like our it's already a big enough job to to manage our own experience yes we just have to manage our own Mm -hmm. literally and it's the same thing that i was saying earlier like everything just comes back to you and everything comes back to taking care of yourself and filling your own cup so then it overflows with joy and love and truth to other people that you touch but i think we're just so trained the opposite that it's like such a foreign concept to people but everything really also it's like at the end of the day it literally is just such a like there's two sides of this because you know you talk about like community and bringing people together and we which is essential we need that but also it is just us at the end of the day like we're all reflecting each other but it really is like 
when I just think that it needs to happen in set from the inside out. It needs to be like our relationship is so connected and dear and true with ourself and that that allows us to be in beautiful relationship and connection with other people versus like constantly seeking connection is never going to actually fulfill us because the deepest desires that we all have can only be satiated by our own self Hmm. not by other but when we are satiating those needs by ourselves, imagine the freaking magic that can happen when people come together as whole beings that you know are overflowing Mm -hmm. yeah i love that i love that i love how you um articulate really complex ideas to something so simple you know like i hear you say that of like oh of course like of course i need to be in a really healthy place emotionally physically mentally spiritually um did i say emotionally (laughs) yeah all of them to be able Mm -hmm. to like care and love for someone else well you know and like I think at the same time, things that are beautiful can be deflective. So like if I'm just focused on creating this sense of community that like I want to see, but I'm not doing the internal work, then of course it's going to not come across that way because it's not, it's, it's like, it's deflective. It's sometimes easier to focus on another person than it is to focus on yourself. And then when you are focusing on yourself and you're focusing on things that are rooted in wanting connection, it's going to always draw you back to people. Totally. You know, so I think that that's like, you just explained a really complex cycle that we fall into as humans in a really, I think, simple way. So. Great. Thanks. I'm thankful for that and thankful Mm -hmm. for you. And thankful for you. I do have a joke. Really? Yeah. Sweet dreams are made of brie. Who am I to disagree? It's disagree. Thanks for listening to the giving gifts. Like, share, and subscribe. This show is a shit. Spread some love and joy. Know that you're a gift.